Uh, for the last just over 24 hours, just on the other side of that wall right there in our office area, we've had a 24-hour prayer room set up here at Victory Point. And beginning at 10 a.m. yesterday through 10 a.m. this morning, so right up to the gathering time this morning, there has been 60 to 70 different people that have been in that room, maybe for 30 minutes, maybe for an hour at a time, maybe for multiple sessions, praying. And they've been praying over the prayer cards that we've collected over the last couple of weeks. And there's just a picture of uh, that wall. And uh, I think there's, oh, there's got to be now maybe 130 different prayer requests or praises represented on that wall. And for 24 hours continuously, people have been praying specifically in agreement, adding promises and truths and reminders and pictures to it. And it's just been really, really powerful. And I just want to invite all of you um, to go check that out after the gathering. It's okay. Just wander into the office area. You can go through that door. You can go in through the main office door. Uh, we've decided we're going to keep this up probably throughout the month of November, at least till Thanksgiving. And uh, we just invite you, anytime you're in the building, okay, anytime you're in the building before or after a Sunday gathering, during the week, during office hours, maybe you have a group that meets here, maybe you want to take your missional community or group here on a different night, we can help figure that out with you. Um, and you just want to come into the room and uh, just join people in agreement in prayer, praying um, for these requests. And it's just, uh, it's been a super powerful time. And uh, if anyone has any stories, like um, of time in that room, times of breakthrough, answered prayer, uh, please get a hold of one of us because we would love to hear them and maybe have you share that uh, with the congregation. But it's been such a, a cool, cool time. There's even, like, I, I think there's even a miracle that happened. Like, I was here when it, when it began at 10 a.m. yesterday, and um, I came back at 9 p.m., and there was, like, cinnamon rolls and donuts and muffins on a table in the prayer room that weren't there when we started at 10 a.m., I think it's cinnamon rolls from heaven, and uh, I'm really grateful for them. And uh, I'm thinking if we do this again, maybe there can be other stuff that shows up, you know, like smoked brisket from heaven or something like that. <laughs> Chef, you heard me on that, right? But, um, you know, I, I, I just, that was just so cool. It was just a, a fun, fun time. And uh, I would encourage you too, if you're a person here who shared a, a prayer request or praise, um, to also go in there because you might find a, a note or a scripture or a promise has been added to that and you want to receive that. So it's worth your while to wander through there, either today or anytime you're in the building this month, and uh, just bask in that and, and receive those promises and those truths and those uh, proclamations. So well done, Victory Point. Well done. I think it's the kind of thing you know, we'll, we'll do again sometime. All right. Let's move on. We are wrapping up our series. It's a prayer series called The Circle Maker, and it's uh, based on a book by Mark Batterson by the same name called The Circle Maker. And I'm just curious. I have this extra copy here. Is there anyone here who really wanted to read this book but just didn't have the $10, um, and if we gave this to you, you would read it? Is there anyone here that would really want that? Just okay to raise your hand. Anyone? Well, if that's you... It's right here at the end of the gathering. You may take it, okay? That's an extra one. Um, we're wrapping up this, this Circle Maker series. And uh, the, the, the phrase Circle Maker comes from the, the opening story in the book. And it's uh, about a kind of this intertestament sage named Honi. Okay, Honi lived between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And uh, it was a time in the life of Israel, you know, where hundreds of years, it felt like God had gone silent. There hadn't been any prophecies. And there was a drought. And uh, Honi was this eccentric sage that probably lived up in the hills. He, he came down during this drought. And uh, in Jerusalem, he, he took his staff and he planted it in the ground. And he drew a circle. You know, he just did a 360, made a circle, put his staff down, knelt down, and prayed for rain. He said, God, I'm not leaving this circle until you send rain. And God did. God sent rain. And uh, what's fun about the story is, uh, you know, he, he, he adjusted his prayer as God answered his prayer. Like, no, 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 like, like not that kind of rain. Like, I mean rain. So then it just started to pour. Like, no, 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 that's, that's too much. Like, just a nice rain, you know. And uh, it, it happened. And the legend of the circle maker was born. And we're just using that imagery uh, in this series inviting us to identify what are the dreams, what are the fears, what are the relationships, you know, what are the things that you are circling in prayer? You just keep coming back around in prayer. And like Honey, you're going to like kneel in that circle, you know, metaphorically until God answers that prayer. And we've invited you to, to identify those. That's what that picture I showed was, was all things that people are circling in prayer and then we're praying in agreement with each other on. And it's been a really cool series. Excuse me. And last week, um, I was up here and I shared the story of how the week before I had been up north deer hunting. And I shared how, like, it was the first time I went deer hunting this season. It was the first time I opened up my bow case. I, I drove up north, went over to my dad's house, quick shot a few arrows, went out into the woods, you know, drew back on a buck, but he didn't present himself. And then I decided I'm going to shoot a doe. Totally missed it. Totally missed it. I humbly shared that story last week. But the point I'm trying to make is it's naive of me uh, to think that I could just like, like just take 15 minutes of practice and have success. It's also unethical. I, I shouldn't be out there if I'm not dialed in with my bow and arrow. But um, you get the point. Like, I think sometimes we approach prayer that way. We think I'll just give it a quick shot and uh, God will answer my prayer. And prayer is a long-term journey. Like, it, it, it's naive to think. I mean, I'm not saying God doesn't answer a prayer immediately sometimes, but often you need to keep circling. You need to keep circling in prayer. And we looked at this story that Jesus told in Luke 18. It's titled, The Parable of the Persistent Widow. And in, in, right at the beginning of this parable, Jesus says this statement. It says that Jesus told his disciples a story in order to teach his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. He, he shared a story to teach his disciples that they should always pray and never give up. So we should pray when? And we should give up when? We should pray when? And we should give up when? That's the point. That's the point Jesus is making in that story. And he went on to tell the story of this judge. And he's, he's quick to, to emphasize this is not a believer. The judge was not a believer. He even said that the judge didn't even like people. Judge didn't like people. He wasn't a believer. But this widow kept pestering him daily for justice that finally he relented. Because of her audacious relentlessness, he gave in and he granted her justice. Then in another story we looked at last week, Jesus tells the story of uh, a guy who has some guests show up late at night, you know, sort of unannounced. And he doesn't have food to give his guests. So he goes to his friend's house. And he knocks on the door like, friend, open up the door. I need some bread. And his friend hollers out from bed, like, I'm in bed. My children are in bed. Like, go away. And uh, he kept knocking. He kept knocking. And finally, Jesus said, you know, 
The guy doesn't give up and give bread to his friend because he's his friend, but he does because he's persistent, because he, 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 he won't stop. It's almost as if Jesus is teaching disciples then and today, like, it's okay to bug God. It's okay to keep going after it. Like, matter of fact, God desires it and God expects it. And unlike the unbelieving, I don't like people judge or the friend who's sleeping, the one you're persistently bugging in prayer or, or persisting in prayer, he's a good father. He's a good father and he has love in his heart for you. How much more will he respond to his children when, when, they, when they ask? So we talked about that last week. We talked about persisting in prayer and just keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep persevering. That's Jesus' invitation. And we looked at this quote um, from the book from Mark Batterson. You know, pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. And we, we kind of tried to unpack that a little bit last week. And, and, and yes, there, there, it's a mystery. Like, like God is the initiator. God is always the source. God is always the initiator, you know, um, but, but somehow, some way in his, in his goodness, he invites us to sometimes participate in the answer he wants to bring us. And, and so he invites us to, to partner with him and to work with him. So like pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. I was having this interesting conversation this week on Wednesday uh, with a, a friend of our ministry. His name's Dwight. He was leading worship, you know, last week. And uh, we were talking about that, and, and I appreciated something Dwight said. He, he shared, like, I totally get the heart of that and believe in that. But, but he said, like, I think even a better way to maybe say that is this. Pray knowing that it depends on God. Work knowing that it depends on God. I like that. I mean, I, I like that little subtle twist. Like, it's, it's all God. He's the source. We pray, and, and we, we work knowing that. We work knowing that. And it reminds me, right, of, of this, what Jesus says in John 15. You know, when he's talking about abiding in him. And he says this. He says, yes, I'm the vine. This is Jesus talking. I'm the vine. You guys are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And then listen to this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And then he continues. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my father. The principle, Jesus, the, the truth that he's teaching is um, stay connected with me. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And one of the best ways to stay connected with God is to persistently pursue him in prayer. And not just pursue the, the gifts you want from him, pursue the giver. Pursue the one who's the source. Pursue the one who is grace and love and truth. So pray and work knowing that it depends on God, which reminded me of a great quote I love by Oswald Chambers. Okay, we're not going to read the whole thing. I just want to read the first line. But you guys, are you familiar with uh, this, this classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest? I mean, if you're looking for a simple daily devotional, it, it's, it's tried and true. It's classic. It, it, it's, it's one I keep going back to in my life. And uh, I always remember this quote from October 17 when he says this, Prayer does not equip us for greater works. 
Prayer is the greater work. I'm not going to read the rest of it. I'd encourage you to write this in your notes right now. Go find my utmost for his highest, October 17, and read the whole thing because it's really, really good. You can find it online if you don't have it. But prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. Pray and work knowing it depends on God. So that's where we were last week. Um, we're going to dive into to one last kind of lens today and look at prayer as battle or battling in prayer. So with that in mind, let's pray and let's dive into it. Lord, thank you for everyone who's gathered here this morning, whether they're in this room or in the kids' own room, wherever we are in this building, I pray that we would have a fresh encounter with the living Christ. I pray that we would receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we have the Spirit in Christ, but Paul says to be filled continually with the Spirit. So we pray that we would be filled with the Spirit this morning and that the Holy Spirit would teach us the things of the Father and that you would, you would speak to our hearts and to our minds the things that we need to, to intersect in our lives this very day and this week ahead. Um, speak, Father, for your children are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible and you like to follow along in your Bible or on your Bible app, I want to encourage you and invite you to find the book of Daniel. Okay, Old Testament book, you know, find Psalms and Proverbs and just keep going a little bit farther. You'll find the book of Daniel, chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Let me give some context though. So here's what's going on in the life of Israel, the nation of Israel. The Babylonian Empire has like ransacked Jerusalem. Okay, put it under siege. They sacked Jerusalem. They came in and they tore down the temple. And they took a whole bunch of Israelites back with them into exile. So the, the, the nation of Israel is in exile. Daniel is one of those from Israel who's been carried off from Jerusalem, from the Holy Land, and uh, is now in Babylon. Okay? In Daniel chapter 9, if you were to go back a chapter, what you would discover is that Daniel, after reading the scroll of the prophet Jeremiah, he has discovered that Jerusalem is going to be sort of desolate for 70 years. It's sort of this prophecy that he kind of connects the dots and he he realizes and prophesies that Jerusalem is going to lay in ruins for 70 years. And this grieves Daniel. This makes him very, very sad. Like more than sad, it, it grieves him. So what he does is he, he puts on burlap. Okay? He puts on burlap and he takes ashes and he wipes them all over his, his face and his head. And, and he begins to just cry out to God and he's confessing. He's confessing his sins. He's confessing the nation's sins to God. And, and he approaches God through prayer and fasting. Okay? He's, just, he's crying out to God. And then in, in Daniel chapter 10, um, I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit what happens and just kind of read through it, then we'll get to some verses on the screen. So, so that's the vision he has. Jerusalem's going to remain in ruins for 70 years. So in, in chapter 10, verse 2, he says, it says this, When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, I'd been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I'd I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips. I used no fragrant lotion um, until those three weeks had passed. And then it says this. I love this. On April 23, 
Isn't that cool when you got like a specific date that you can point to? Um, On April 23, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up. Okay, imagine this. He's at the river bank. He looks up. And I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. And and just picture picture this. Um, His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and they ran away to hide. So they knew something was up. They didn't see what Daniel was seeing, but they knew something was there and it scared them and they ran. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. And then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted. I fainted and I lay there with my face on the ground. Then imagine this. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, listen to this. Daniel, you are very precious to God. Isn't that awesome words to hear? I pray everyone here hears these words. You are very precious to God. You're very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Okay, and then I got the couple verses here. Then he said, don't be afraid. That's angel protocol. Every time an angel is talking to a human, it always starts with don't be afraid because there's something awesome about an angel in your presence. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I've come in answer to your prayer. But, check this out. But for 21 days... The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Pause right there. What's going on? That's that's an interesting sort of statement. That's sort of an interesting piece of information. I mean, I don't know if guardian angels are like a real thing, like if we all have like a a guardian angel? Maybe, I'd like to think so, I hope so. But I mean, it it almost feels like Daniel gets this moment with maybe with an angel who perhaps is his guardian angel. You know, and and if you go back to Daniel 9, you get the sense that this is probably Gabriel, an archangel, okay? The, 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 The primary messenger of God. And I imagine, you know, I don't know what kind of conversation or what kind of, exchange they had you know I I can imagine if it was me you know Daniel's probably like hey thanks for the help back in the lion's den man that that was awesome like thanks for shutting the the mouths of those lions and oh thanks for helping my friends in that furnace like that that was super cool like way to go you know I I don't know like like what kind of exchange he had but I'm I'm just there's something in these angel the angel's words that I want us to to realize this morning. They want us to grab onto. The angel's words to Daniel reveal something I think that's really significant. 
and really important when it comes to prayer. And that's this. Sometimes there is spiritual resistance working against what we are praying for. Sometimes there is spiritual resistance working against what we are praying for. Maybe not even sometimes. Maybe like all the time. The enemy does not like what God is up to. There's spiritual resistance, spiritual opposition and oppression. What this angel is doing, this angel is peeling back the curtain of the spiritual warfare that's being raged beyond the curtain of our consciousness. The angel says this, Since the first day you began to pray, your request was heard. Daniel's prayer was heard before the words even passed through his vocal cords and an answer in heaven was set in motion. An answer was dispatched to that prayer. But it wasn't until the 21st day that Daniel experienced breakthrough. There was this gap. There was this lapse between the prayer and the breakthrough. What what was it? Well, the angel tells us what it was. There was this evil spirit. The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia was resisting the answer to Daniel's prayer. That God had set in motion the instant that Daniel started praying. So that Gabriel, we think it's Gabriel, he's just like, man, I, I started towards you right when you started praying with an answer. But I met resistance. And I had to call back up. I had to like get Michael, like the archangel, like with his sword to come down and deal with this, this petty spirit that was resisting me, you know. And I left Michael there. He's still kicking that, that spirit's butt. But I, I, I moved on now and I'm coming and I have the answer for you. And it just like, it, it makes me, you know, reach back to last week a little bit to some of the questions we were reflecting on last week. You know, what if, what if Daniel had stopped praying on day 20? Like, you know, it took 21 days for the answer to break through. What, what if he'd stopped praying on day 20? What if he stopped praying through on day 20? Just like last week we were talking about, what if the Israelites walked around the walls of Jericho six times and then said, this isn't working? What if Elijah, talked about him last week, what if Elijah on the top of Mount Carmel like stopped praying for rain after six tries and didn't push through to the seventh time when, when, when God sent rain? What if? What if? Here's the deal. If, if we stop praying before breakthrough, if we stop praying through before we experience breakthrough, you, ri- you risk the forfeit of the miracle. When we stop praying through before we experience breakthrough, we risk not receiving what God has for us. Jesus told his disciples a parable to teach them to pray. To pray when? And to give up when? Because sometimes the answer takes a while. I would say like most of the time, the answer takes a while. Sometimes there's resistance. And we need to contend and battle in prayer. Sometimes prayer is battle. Prayer is battle. Yet prayer can unleash God's angels into action. Isn't that a cool thought? Prayer can unleash things in the heavenlies that we can't see 
that are ultimately going to make a difference on the earthly. Prayer unleashes angels into action. Now there's something I just want us to understand and to know about Daniel. Daniel was one of the most brilliant minds of his time. He's one of the most brilliant minds that the ancient world has known. Daniel could explain riddles and he could solve problems like no one else. Daniel could interpret dreams like no tomorrow. He was a brilliant guy, but it wasn't his intelligence that set him apart. Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer. He didn't just pray, you know, when things went bad. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm in the lion's den, 911 prayer. God, I need you. Like he didn't just, I mean, I'm sure he prayed in the lion's den, but that was an overflow and a product of a life of prayer, of a lifestyle of prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer. Prayer was part of the rhythm in the routine of Daniel's life. We, we read in scriptures that Daniel got on his knees three times a day and he prayed through this open window towards Jerusalem. Even after King Darius outlawed prayer, Daniel didn't stop praying. Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a, he had, prayer was a pattern and a lifestyle for him. He can, even when Darius said no more praying, Daniel three times a day would stop, drop, and pray towards Jerusalem. Daniel kept asking, Daniel kept seeking, Daniel kept knocking, Daniel kept persevering. Which begs the question, like, what is your pattern of prayer? Do you have a pattern of prayer? Is prayer just a reactive, responsive time? Like when you need it? Like when you need something? When you need help? Is that when you pray? Or is prayer a regular rhythm and pattern of your life? If we want to experience the kinds of things that Daniel experienced... Maybe had the kind of conversations with heavenly beings like Daniel did. Like prayer needs to be more than just a a, a one-time haphazard every so often pattern. What's prayer look like for you? Do you pray daily? Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, you know, he had this phrase in there to pray daily for our daily bread. Jesus is implying like this is the kind of prayer I'm expecting you to pray every day. Do you pray every day? What does that look like for you? What are the patterns for you? I'm guessing a lot of you have them. You pray continually. If you don't, what, where, where could you insert that into your day? Where could you put time and space to talk to the Father? For me, one of the patterns I'm cultivating is um, ever since my trip to Israel this, this summer, uh, like I, I just really desire to be in the Word and, and to be in communion with God. So I'm, I'm getting out of bed earlier than I used to. And I, I like sitting in the, on, on the couch in front of the fireplace and just drinking some coffee and, and taking time to slowly read scripture and to just pray. And it has made a difference in my life. Our staff, like we, we're, we are upping our prayer rhythms. Um, we used to pray once a week, then twice a week, now three times a week. Uh, we, we stop and pray, you know, for like 30 minutes. Pray, worship, you know, read scripture. Right now what we've been doing is we've been um, in that prayer room just putting our hands, I, I, I love it, Thursday, like we, we, the staff was spread out across that wall with hands on different things, just praying out loud simultaneously. And I'd encourage you, if you're in there with a group, to try that. Like pray out loud all at the same time, just kind of in this soft prayer. It was like this symphony of prayers, you know, kind of going up, and it was beautiful, and it was powerful, and God understood everyone. It was awesome. But when do, when do you pray? And and here's what makes Daniel's prayer pattern so remarkable 
I think, is this. Daniel knew that his dream that he had for rebuilding Jerusalem wouldn't be fulfilled in his lifetime. He wouldn't get to experience it. Daniel had prophesied that it was going to take 70 years before Jerusalem rises up again. Daniel knew that his prayers wouldn't be answered for 70 years. And yet he prayed three times a day with urgency. Drawing, you know, drawing prayer circles around our dreams, our fears, our children, our family. Whatever it is you're drawing prayer circles around, it often feels like it's long and maybe even boring sometimes. And it's frustrating when you feel like you've been circling over and over in prayer like forever. And you start wondering, is God really listening? Does God hear my prayers? Does he really care? Sometimes his silence is so deafening. We circle the cancer that we're battling. We circle the disease. We circle the unknown. We, We circle our children. We circle the marriage. We circle our job. We circle our dreams. Whatever it is, we circle. And it doesn't seem to be making a difference. So what do you do? Keep circling. Keep circling. Always pray. Never give up. Circle for 70 years if you have to. Are you willing to? Circle for 70 years if that's what it takes. I mean, what else are you going to do? Where else are you going to turn? Keep praying. Keep battling. Keep waiting. It's something we're not good at. It's something our culture is not good at, is it? We, we don't know how to wait anymore. I mean, sometimes if you take a step back from our society, from our culture, like, it's almost comical what we've become. We have this concept that, that became like this institution decades ago called fast food. Okay, the, the, the emergence of fast food, McDonald's and Burger King. And you have this thing called the drive through You don't even have to get out of your car to get food. Do you see what, what, what it's become now? Like you don't even have to get in the drive through lane. You just pull out the app and you order your food and you pull up into this space and they bring the food out to you. Like we can't even go through a drive through anymore because it takes too much time. I need time to update my Facebook and to do this and that. I don't got time to go through a drive through you know, like, like, just think about that. Our culture is terrible at waiting. We, we don't know how to wait. Prayer is all about waiting. These people understood that prayer is, is a waiting game. It's a, it's a lifelong thing. I might pray for 70 years and not get to experience what I'm praying for, but I'm going to pray for it anyway. Are you okay with that? Are you willing to do that? Because that's what disciples do. That's what followers of Jesus are called to. Enough on that. I just want to close by giving us some weapons. Okay, I'm talking about like, so, so in this story, the Daniel story, it's obvious to us that there is resistance to our prayers. There is spiritual resistance sometimes to our prayers. How do, we, how, do, how do we battle that? How do we battle that in prayer? And I just want to give us a quick bullet point list of here's some ways that you can battle that because waiting in prayer isn't passive. It's not like just sitting there waiting. You know, pray like it depends on God. Pray knowing it depends on God. Work knowing it depends on God. There's things you can do. There's action steps you can take. There's weapons that you can wield. So I want to just, if, you, if you're a note taker, get ready. Jot down a few words. Jot down some references. Because I'm going to give us just a glimpse of just some of the weapons that, that the scriptures give us 
to battle these forces that are aligned against us. To battle the enemy who wants to kill and destroy and wants to, to take from God and, and prevent us from getting, you know, living in God's will and grace and mercy. There's, there's things we can do. So um, get ready for this. Take notes. Okay, first scripture I want us to look at is this. This is Paul talking to the church family in Corinth in one of his letters. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Paul says this, we are human. So are you, all of us. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. There's weapons. There's, there's weapons. There's God's mighty weapons available to us to use in prayer battle. So here's some of them. And this is not an exhaustive list. These are just ones that I want to offer us um, to, to put in our hands to wield. As If you're battling in prayer around something, if you're circling something in prayer and you're meeting resistance, here's some things I would offer you to, to put into your hands and to go after. First of all, and the obvious one is this. Paul, in another letter to his friends in Ephesus, he says this. A final word, friends, a final word Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Devil has strategies. He's out to get you. Put on the armor. For He says this, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies here, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. Oh boy, there was power going on there. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, see, he's referring to, I think, what Daniel heard Gabriel talking about. There's this evil spirit called the, the, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. There's these forces aligned against us. Okay? So he says this. Stand your ground. Here's the armor. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And put on salvation. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent, there's that theme again. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Do you, do you battle in prayer by putting on the armor of God? I would invite you to do that daily. To in prayer, to put on the armor of God. I pray this all the time. I pray it over you, I pray it over this church, I pray it over my children, I pray it over me. I mean, I, there's probably not a day that goes by that I'm not praying somehow, some way. Like, Lord, you know, clothe me with the sandals of peace and the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And Lord, I pick up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and I stand armed against the enemy. And I, and I, I pray that over others. Like, do you, do, you, do you clothe yourself 
with the armor of God. That, that is one of God's mighty weapons that he offers us. Another one. Love this. I hear Hugo quote this verse all the time. And they defeated him. And, and so th- this is this scene in Revelation where there's this great battle going on. Michael's battling again. And he's battling this dragon, you know, and, and all the, the, the dragon demons. And uh, he, he eventually throws them, you know, out of heaven. But, but it's, this, it's this battle between good and evil. In, in one way that the, the enemy was overcome, one way that the evil was overcome, said so they defeated him by the blood of the lamb. That's central. That's primary. That's needed. You know, you can't have victory without that. But this too, and by their testimony. Somehow, some way, our testimony offensively defeats the enemy. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. There's something about our testimony that, that battles in prayer against the enemy. I mean, whatever it is you're battling right now, if you're, if you're battling and contending in prayer for something, going after something, one way to offensively go after that is to make sure you're giving testimony and witness to God's goodness in your life. I, I found this, I saw this on um, Instagram this week. I thought this was awesome. I'm going to use this. The testimony of what Jesus has done in your life is the weapon that brings down the enemy. Who are you giving testimony and witness to about how good God has been to you in your life? That's one way to, to, to battle the enemy is through your testimony and through your witness. Here's another one. This is Second Chronicles. I love this one. Okay, I, I need to set this one up just a little bit. Okay, another weapon that we have available to us in spiritual battle is worship. Is worship. Let me give some quick context for this. I'm, I'm going to read in just a second from Second Chronicles chapter 20. And this is the story of a king named Jehoshaphat. It's just fun to say. Jehoshaphat. Okay. God bless you. Jehoshaphat. Okay. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he was basically a good king. And he ruled in the southern kingdom at the same time that Ahab, remember him from the Elijah story? Ahab ruled in the northern kingdom. Ahab wasn't so good. Jehoshaphat, he was pretty good. Ahab, not so good. But even though Jehoshaphat was a good king and he had good intentions, he did make some bad alliances, okay? And so one morning, right before we pick up this story, Jehoshaphat, like all of a sudden his world is rocked because his intelligence officer comes find him and comes and reports to him in the morning that Jehoshaphat, there's a great multitude coming against you. There's a great multitude coming against you from beyond the sea. There's this collection of the enemy. It's only about 15 miles south of Jerusalem. It's on the western shores of the Dead Sea. Jehoshaphat, your life and your entire kingdom is in jeopardy. There's forces coming against you. Okay? And then this is what it says. This is how Jehoshaphat responds. It says, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and he said this, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, this this is what Jehoshaphat did. Listen to this. The king appointed singers, singers, you know, singers, 
to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. They just put this to tune. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. What happened? Sending the singers out first. Like you guys, you guys go out in the front lines. Okay, we'll follow you guys. Okay. At that very moment, listen. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned to against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah finally arrived on the scene, the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. That's a bizarre, awesome story. I can imagine Jehoshaphat like comes over the crest and he looks out in the valley and all he sees is dead bodies of his enemy. He starts jumping. Where we get the phrase jumping Jehoshaphat. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) But haven't you heard that phrase jumping Jehoshaphat? It's like something Yosemite Sam would say or something like that. Like I don't know where that phrase comes from. But here's what I do know from this story. Worship is an offensive weapon to the enemy. Worship is an offensive weapon to the enemy. One of my favorite songs lately, it was playing as you walked into the auditorium this morning, if you got in here before 10. Um, It's a song by The Upper Room down in Dallas, Texas. And it's called Surrounded, or sometimes also goes by the title, This Is How I Fight My Battles. Have you heard that song? If you haven't, can I invite you to Google that, you know, Today, this week, upper room, surrounded. This is how I fight my battles. I actually put it on the Victory Point Facebook page this week. You can find it there as well. One of the lyrics is this. And I believe you've overcome, and I will lift my song of praise for what you've done. How do I fight my battles? I praise and worship Jesus. That's how you fight your battles. You put on the armor of God. You share the testimonies of what God has done. You praise and worship. One more I'll just throw out there quickly because I want to get to something else. Um, is, is Don't forget this one. Fasting. Fasting. Remember that, that, that story in, in the Gospels? Um, it's in different Gospels, but in Matthew's Gospel, it says it this way. Um, the, the, Jesus had sent the, you know, the disciples out. They'd come back. I mean, but, but they... You know, they're they're having some resistance trying to drive out a demon. And Jesus says this, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And then in Matthew's gospel, it has this interesting little verse that you don't find in other ones. You know, some manuscripts add verse 21. This kind of demon won't leave except for prayer and fasting. Sometimes it's more than just prayer. Sometimes you need to involve fasting. Each one of these things I just talked about could be its own sermon. I mean, it could be its own series. But I just wanted to give us just an overview this morning. When when Paul says this battle is not against flesh and blood, sometimes what we're battling for in prayer, it's, it's in a spiritual dimension. It's in a spiritual realm. But take heart. Paul reminds us God gives us spiritual weapons. Prayer. The armor of God. 
the testimony, the witness of what God has done, worship, fasting, and pray. Always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. I'm going to invite the band to come on forward. I just want to leave that up for a second. And I just want to invite you into a time of reflection and response. It'd be sad if, if, if we just went through all this, and I know we went through some of it quickly, but it would be not good if we just went through it like really quickly and then just ran out of here and miss maybe an opportunity that, that God wants to plant something in our lives today. So I just ask you to think about this. Is there anything in your life right now that you're battling, that you're contending for, that you're circling in prayer, that you keep making laps, waiting for the walls to fall down? And you don't like the thought of, I don't want to do this for 70 years. But what else am I going to do? What is it that you're contending for and battling in prayer? Don't stop praying. Always pray, never give up. But might there, might there be a weapon this morning that the Lord is, is bringing to your attention? That like, yeah, maybe I need to invite this into my, my prayer battle. I need to start clothing myself, my, my spouse, my children with the armor of God as they leave the house each day. I'm going to turn attention from my battle to, to what God has been doing in my life by, by giving testimony and witness to those around me. Or if nothing else, just in my journal of what God has done. I'm going to battle the enemy with that. I'm going to worship. My front line offense is worship. I'm going to send out the singers. And I'm going to worship. And I'm going to trust that God will take care of the enemy. Maybe... Maybe you need to escalate some prayer battle by, by including some fasting. And if you ever want to know more about that or any of these, we'd love to talk to you and help you like, experience those things. Today was just a big picture overview. But what's God saying to you this morning? What's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? If anything's bubbling up, just write it down so you don't forget it. So you can share it with somebody. I can think of no more appropriate way to kind of wrap up here this morning by actually grabbing hold of one of those weapons and wielding it. And that's the weapon of worship. God's mighty weapon of worship. Uh, so I'm going to invite you to stand. You can do that right now. And we're just going to sing a couple songs. And then after we sing, I'm going to ask you to sit down because we've got something special before we leave. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to battle in prayer through worship right now. And if there's anyone here this morning, and uh, man, you would love someone to pray with you this morning, um, I'd invite you as we're singing to just kind of make your way over to the prayer corner. And uh, there's some people over there that would love to pray with you during these two songs. Okay? But let's wield the weapon of worship. And let's battle 
through prayer in worship this morning. Let's sing.